Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good, too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut-scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. Host Nora McInerney is back for season two of The Head Start, Embracing the Journey, a podcast from Ruby Studio and AbbVie. In each episode, Nora has real conversations with real people living with chronic migraine to see how they took action to understand this disease. So jump into the conversation for season two, a show that creates a little more space for empathy and understanding in such a complicated world. There shouldn't be so much hesitation around asking questions and asking for help. So don't wait. Join the Head Start Embracing the Journey and learn a little more about life with chronic migraine. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they're going to last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you're going to be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. So come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tight, tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday, everybody. You know, I gotta say, I'm pretty excited about today's episode because my sister is on, and she's talking about how my eating disorder affected her for the many years that I was in it. And then we also get into what it's like for her now that I'm in recovery. And so that's pretty much what we cover in the first thing. And then in the second thing, we discuss what can contribute to eating disorder development. Because while I had an eating disorder, my sister, who I'm very close to and had the same experience as me as a child, you know, with our dad leaving, which my original therapist told me that's likely what prompted my eating disorder to start. I disagree with that a little bit now. But anyway, my sister didn't have the same body issues that I have. So uh, we go over some of that. And then in the third thing, we talk about lies that can enter our head. Now, if you have had any type of disordered eating or body image stuff, well, you've got lies in your head all the time that you got to shut down. But my sister, again, not having struggled with an eating disorder, she gets vulnerable and shares 
the lies that she feels in her head and some of it that started when she was younger and now um, even affects her as an adult and how you got to like get rid of that, get rid of the lies and quiet them. Then in the fourth thing, I share nine ways to squash food guilt. I thought that that was a good way to to wrap up our our conversation because in the first thing you'll hear how I have the food freedom now and I'm no longer living with with the guilt that I used to feel if I were to eat a certain way. So a little bit of an episode that uh, is a follow-up to Outweigh, kind of, except for Lisa's not here for it and it's just me and my sister. And I really appreciate Christy for uh, coming on and getting honest with me during our talk because she says things to me that she hasn't ever said to me before. And it was good for us to have this discussion and y'all are getting to hear it. And for me, I'm thankful to be on the other side of things because life without disordered eating outweighs everything. And that's why Lisa and I titled our disordered eating series outweigh because it really, really does. And you'll hear about how my life is better without all the eating and body crap that I was going through. You'll hear about that in today's episode. So I just hope it's an encouragement to a lot of you. Before we get into the first thing, I want to quickly shout out my sister's cute little coffee shop in Colorado. If you need awesome coffee, you can order it from her. And she has other super cute gifts on her website too as well. And it's roothouseco.com. And on Instagram, they're at roothouseco. Seriously, some of the best coffee ever. We just ran out and she came to visit me and she didn't even bring me any coffee. I was like, Christy, hello, we're out of coffee. Now you're going to have to ship me some. So it really is great. You can get it whole bean or if you want it ground, just make sure you let her know and they'll grind it up for you and get it in the mail. And it's super awesome. Uh, Again, on Instagram at Root House Co. And speaking of Instagram, Mary and I are going to be doing a Friday night live on Espoir this Friday night. So that's at Shop Espoir if you want to join us for that. And we just want to talk to you all about a couple things. Uh, first and foremost, the new Hunger Games book, because Mary's done with it and I'm almost done with it. And I know a lot of you are reading it and we just got to talk about some things. We also have a new Four Things Gratitude Journal in the works and our new Espoir Neon Pink, Pink and White Pullover that I'm obsessed with. And our sunglasses, our very, very limited sunglasses are back and they go on sale tomorrow, Friday at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. You can go to RadioAmy.com for all of that. But anytime we put something out, we like to connect with y'all and just see what you're up to. So join us at Shop Espoir Friday Night Live. And then, yeah, sunglasses, shirt, tomorrow, 10 a.m. If you happen to be listening to this on Thursday, which y'all let me know. Send me notes. Like, when are you listening to the podcast? Is it the day it comes out? Is it Friday? Is it on the weekends? Are you way behind? Are you on schedule? I don't know. Just let me know kind of how y'all are consuming the podcast. I would appreciate that. Y'all can let me know at Radio Amy on Instagram, or you can email me, fourthingswithamybrown at gmail.com. Okay, here's today's episode. First thing. That's right. So Christy, let's talk about our experience at the grocery store in Colorado a couple of weeks ago. Right. (laughs) I mean, I didn't tell you at the time, but thoughts were going through my head. Words of affirmation are my love language. So I think even at the grocery store, which you didn't explain to me in detail what you were thinking and experiencing shopping with me now that I'm in this 
recovery phase of my eating disorder. But I remember turning an aisle going, maybe about to check out or something. And I said something along the lines of, so have you noticed how easy I've been? Right. You're kind of wanting some words of affirmation at I wanted the time. You to and affirm. honestly, I was noticing it in my head. I just didn't say anything out loud. Words of affirmation is not my strong point, yeah. honestly, to other people. So if I had recognized you needed that, well, but, I, but you prompted it. Don't you know. worry. I asked for it. <laughs> well, I just wanted to know if you noticed. And you said, yeah, I noticed. But it wasn't until later on that we had a real conversation about it and other things started to come out beyond just the anxiety that I gave you anytime we would grocery shop together or eat as a family together. So I'm going to sit back and let you share with people your experience with my eating disorder. Because when you have something like that going on or disordered eating, whatever it is for you, body image issues, you're altering your lifestyle and it could potentially affect other people. You don't realize what you're doing is so annoying how it's affecting other people. and how it's affecting. Mm-hmm. And it may be annoying might not be the word, but I know for me looking back, I'm like, wow, I was annoying. But I also made you feel weird about things and had you second guessing every little move. But you can talk people through it just so that they can maybe know what they're putting others through and not to feel bad about it, but just to have a a full picture understanding of what other people might be going through. Or if, if anybody listening is living with someone that was like me or has a friend or a loved one that's like me, they can say, oh gosh, okay, somebody gets me like I'm not alone. Well, just to go back to the grocery store, I think things were going through my head. And so it wasn't until you brought it up like, hey, are you noticing that I'm not being difficult at the grocery (laughs) store? And I was in my head, I was like, actually, yes, yes, I am. You know, because as I was picking out this, that or the other, whether it was a cheese or a salad, you know, and you are one to always wanted to read the label. And sometimes you'd put things back or grab something extra that was the same exact thing, but maybe that fell into a category that you thought was better for my you. approved list. Right. Of, you yeah. had, you had like lists and, and it changed. And that's the thing, like, oh, yeah. like things would change and all of a sudden you're on this kick and then, you know, you're gone. We don't see each other for a little while and you come back and I'm like, Oh, guess what I have? And you're like, Oh, I don't need that anymore. You know? And it's like, <laughs> ah, I can't keep up with all your things. You know, you're always like, and what was amazing, you know, one week, a few weeks later is not amazing anymore because there's something different and better and everybody has their own things. And I think you really do and you really have just kind of learned what works for you and kind of your perspective on eating has changed. And I like the term disordered eating, I guess, a little bit better than eating disorder. Because well, it's to different me, stuff. Is it? Well, there's I, different I because, well, for me, and I'm no expert, I bring mm-hmm. the experts on. But from my understanding, and I hadn't really labeled anything as disordered eating until I did Outweigh with Lisa. And that's the first yeah. time I started seeing, I started following different Instagram accounts and people that this is their passion and they want to help people. And so there's anorexia, there's bulimia, there's like clinically diagnosed bulimia and anorexia. There's times where people may go a day without eating. Does that mean they're 80 pounds and they need to be in a clinic somewhere? No, but they are depriving themselves of food because of a certain goal that they have or feeling that they have. Then there's people that throw up maybe once a week 
or there's people that throw up 50 times a day. So there's different levels of extreme where outweigh we were speaking to more of the people that were like us because we're not, again, I'm not an expert. You need to go get, and I'll go ahead and give a disclaimer here if you're listening to this. If you have something extreme like that, our advice would be to seek professional help because we want you to say help Mm -hmm. save your life because that's what, I remember Julie Cox, a family friend of ours, A long time ago when I met with her about when I was throwing up, she told me, she said, every time you throw up, it's a slow suicide. Mm -hmm. And that stuck with me, Mm -hmm. but it still didn't keep me from doing it. (laughs) And then I saw an article somewhere recently too, if you have thrown up consistently for five years or more, you should go get your esophagus checked Mm -hmm. out because of the damage that you're doing. And for me, I wasn't ever 50 times a day. I wasn't even 10 times a day. I was more of a, every once in a while, if it was really bad, maybe every day for a few days and then totally stop or whatever. So eating disorder category, disordered eating, body image issues, body dysmorphia would be orthorexia, where you are obsessed with ingredients and certain types of food and healthy things and you're overly healthy. Like it gives you anxiety. If you can't control that, you try to, I've had you all had of them. that. Right. Okay. I've had times where I haven't eaten. I didn't know there was a name to that. I have. I need to listen to times the whole series where I've thrown up. I have mm-hmm. times where I've just controlled every little mm-hmm. detail of what I put in my body, which would be orthorexia. I have, you know, different, trying every different fad diet known to man. And that was kind of my thing mm-hmm. being known for what was the next thing. I had disordered eating. If I couldn't go to a family dinner and sit down at the table and just eat what was being served to me and enjoy it that was made with love, like from you or dad or mom, I couldn't do that. I had to show up with my own food and my Mm -hmm. own ingredients and my own thing. So that's- And I would get to the point where I would just designate you to bring the salad anyways so that you could make the salad how you wanted it and the dressing how you wanted it. You know, I'm a nine on the Enneagram, which is a peacemaker. So I'm not going to be the one that's going to be confrontational about things. I'm going to try and just adapt to whatever's going to keep the peace a little bit. But I think there was a couple times where I was like, okay, this is getting a little bit ridiculous. And I don't think I knew the extent to what was going on in your mind. I didn't always know all your battles with the bulimia and the binging and the purging. Well, so, and to clarify some of my story, which I shared it fully on Outweigh episode two, and that is a four-part series that aired on Four Things podcast back in April. Every Saturday, you can go find the episodes. But I share my full story there, but I started throwing up in high school, but then I stopped in college and then I didn't throw up at all. I mean, I didn't realize I had disordered eating though. It mm-hmm. stuck with me. What I was doing from college until you mom died. Exercising. I was lot. exercising a lot. I was trying every right. meal plan. No fads. No, yes. Mm-hmm. Like that is disordered eating. Right. So to help again, wrap up the definition of that. If there was any confusion, that's why there is, there's different little pockets. It wasn't just one thing that you were Mm -hmm. kind of set on. Then after mom died, the day after she died, the throwing up was back. And to me, it blew my mind because I I remember, I didn't know the throwing up had started, but I remember what happened. We pulled over and you were like, I'm getting a pizza. Uh Uh-huh. I don't remember this. You got a pizza. You have I'm to tell me. I don't sure. remember. Because basically what happened that whole I feel time like so that mom much was of that really sick. It's a blur. And, well, I remember it because I was just kind of 
I wasn't even thinking about eating and people were dropping off food at my house. And, you know, mom was in hospice care and, and not doing that good. And then she came to the house. So we had a lot of food in the house, but I just didn't feel like eating. And we had, you know, your in-laws were constantly going and picking up juice land for us. And you would only get juice. Green juice. Like you were only drinking no fruit. the tiger lily, not even the apple. You Green know, it was veggies. Like, mm-hmm. Only tastes like watered down spinach is kind of what it tastes like. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I can't do that. Just get me a Wonder Shows in it. At least had almond butter and whatever. So I'm living off Wonder Shows and smoothies and you're just living off juice. And right after mom died, I remember we were driving and you know, there's that little pizza place right by my house. And we were driving past it and you're like, I'm going to get a pizza. And in my head, I was like, oh, she's going to get a pizza. Okay. And like we picked up the pizza and you, you ate the whole thing. It was a veggie pizza. I think you probably purged later. Oh, I'm I did sure I know, did, but I don't. But I think it started. Okay. Right then. And I just wasn't like aware of what was happening and that this was like a way that you were coping with things. And Well, it started when it started. I mean, I'm sure that's what I did with the pizza. I, I and bet. it's weird. I don't remember that, but I'm sure. I remember it. It's a mixture of grief and mm-hmm. mourning mm-hmm. that I don't remember certain things. And lack of control. Lack of control. So control yes. Something. And then, well, Xanax, wine. So there's a lot that's a little bit of a blur. I mean, our mom had just died. So that's interesting. You remember that? And I'm sure that's exactly what that was. But your birthday was the day after she died, Mm -hmm. and your in-laws decided to have a little party at the house and got a food truck. It was this weird thing where- Did you have a lobster roll? I did. And then maybe some fries or something. Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but I hadn't really eaten all day. And I ate that, and something about me- Because again, I hadn't thrown up in years, Mm -hmm. years and years and years. After I ate something about me that felt wrong, I was trying to explain to my therapist and even we talked through it on Outway. It's it's like, I'm supposed to be grieving right now. Grieving people don't eat. I need to get rid of this. Mm -hmm. So I went over to Kristen's house, your neighbor, Mm -hmm. and like their pool house, and I threw it up. And that's when it started. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, then I haven't listened to that part of the outweigh that you talked about it. And you and I haven't really talked I know. about this. Because I felt the same way. I was like, it was a different feeling that I had. Like, I'm not supposed to be celebrated today because it was my birthday. And I was like, how do I celebrate in the middle of this, you know? But, but that's but, where it all, that's when the throwing up for me came back, just so you understand the timeline. Then that added another layer back into the mix. So not only was I now reintroducing the purging, but I had binging. Then I had the orthorexia. I mean, I had it all. I bound, you know, everything. I've seen all of that, Mm -hmm. I think, in you just over the years, ever since high school, college, when you used to like try and run marathons and do all this over-exercising, kind of under-eating, over-exercising type Mm -hmm. stuff. But just to revisit really quick back to what I've noticed just these last few weeks, especially when you're in Colorado. Well, and it's the last few weeks I'll just people hate when I cut people off, but I just want to paint the picture. She always cuts me <laughs> off. <laughs> She's joking. I'm used to it. <laughs> but I know I'll get an email like, well, why didn't you just let your sister I talk? Know, but fine. I'm going to say that it's the last few weeks for you because we've been together. Like I was in Colorado with you and now you're here with me in Nashville. So we've been together a lot more. Right. But I've been putting in the work for yes. a year and a half now. No, I'm saying that I haven't spent, we haven't spent a ton of time together, obviously because of quarantine and different things. But even, even last visit at the beginning of the year when I was in Nashville, I noticed 
some differences, like on us ordering food and what we had and what the experience was like, you know, because typically it would be kind of stressful to go to a restaurant with you because you'd basically want the waitress to like lay out every ingredient and how it was cooked and where it was from. And is it this? And is it that? Oh, can you sub this and sub that? And actually I brought my own dressing. It's in my purse, you know, or like different things that you would do. And that's obviously part been part of your journey. But then what I've noticed, even just recently, obviously the grocery store experience was you seemed more free at the grocery store. And there wasn't a lot of like micromanaging my choices. And then also that night we were cooking. I remember we were grilling chicken and I was marinating the chicken and I didn't, wasn't even like totally aware of my thoughts. But, but then I realized if I started being more aware of my thoughts as I was marinating the chicken, I was putting like spices and apple cider vinegar and olive oil in a bag and the chicken breasts in there to marinate. And I was just waiting for you to want to read my spice jar you know, ingredients or to come over and double check what kind of, you know, olive oil I was using or oil. Maybe I wasn't supposed to use olive oil. Maybe you wanted me to use avocado oil or some other oil or no oil. I mean, I just, it's, it's always been so hard to know. And you didn't. And I remember, I think I brought it up and I just like, you know what I just noticed? I just marinated this chicken and you were in here. I was sort of trying to hide the spice bottle from you (laughs) and you saw me you didn't say anything. And I was like, I think you're growing, <laughs> you know, in this area of being free of a lot of the bondage you've you've been in over food. Mm-hmm. And it is, it's a heavy thing, but it's a very real thing. You know, it's probably been a struggle. You know, there's been times I've cooked things and I remember you weren't doing dairy and, and I had made something and I was like, well, she's not really allergic to dairy. <laughs> and this sauce is so much better with like two tablespoons of cream in it. And it was like a lemon wine sauce and with chicken. And you took one bite of it. This was years ago. And then you went, oh my gosh, is there dairy in this? It was like you were mad at me for what I had made. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in our family, cooking is sort of a love language. Like that's kind of what our, our dad, you know, how he showed love. He cooked for people. But then when you're cooking for people and then someone's always micromanaging or it's not the right thing or whatever. And if you're like truly allergic to something, that's different. You know, that's a total d- different issue. But your needs and everything were constantly changing. And there's it was no way self anybody inflic- could like, like yeah, I put it upon myself. And nobody could really keep up. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see you growing through it, I think is encouraging and give give people hope out there for what the steps are that are necessary to just break free from the bondage that some people feel under and over food, body issues. issues. I mean, all of those things, those, those have been your things. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that is my thing, because when I started therapy in high school, after I told mom I had started throwing up, they would pinpoint it to, well, your dad mm-hmm. left mm-hmm. when you were younger, and this is how you're coping mm-hmm. with it. And maybe that is the case. I don't know for sure that I buy fully into that now, but I really feel like I started dieting at such a young age. What I've learned is that when you start to restrict your brain is starving and mm-hmm. it starts to want more. Mm-hmm. So then you start eating more when you can't control it and then you overeat. And mm-hmm. then some people are like, well, I got to figure out how to get rid of this. And then they start mm-hmm. purging. And then that cycle begins. And then it's also, my therapist has told me too, it's behaviors like binging, they're depressants for the central nervous system, mm-hmm. sort of like alcohol. They mm-hmm. can create a numbing feeling, mm-hmm. especially, and if anybody's been caught in that mindless eating cycle, you almost feel like it's an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. When you throw up, there's a certain euphoric feeling that comes along with it, and then you're sort of disassociated from reality in that world. 
And there, there's a lot of feelings that are either felt and then not felt with it. So it's like this great combo. And for me, whatever I was using that to cope with either the dad stuff or why I use dieting, I don't know. But you never started dieting at a young age because dad left you too. So then I thought, mm-hmm. well, why didn't my sister end up with eating disorders or disordered eating? Different or- issues, I think. I think I just started trying to perform certain ways. Like if I just make these decisions and and don't do these things and be, you know, even though I failed in in different ways, I think on the outside, I just wanted to look like I had everything together. Whereas on the inside, I really was falling apart. No one could know, you know, and I couldn't ever show dad I was angry because if I showed him I was angry, then he might not ever come back. And, you know, which he didn't, but to mom. You were trying to win him over. I was trying to. To performance. Kind of perform to in a, in a sense. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, and that's something I've always struggled with. And I think we might get into that later. Like, like what is the lie you've always believed and when did it enter in? Yeah. We'll do that in the third thing. But did you ever diet at a young age? I don't remember you like dieting. N- like I don't have enough self-control for that. But that's, that's um, the thing. I think that Again, because food, I just like food. Well, but there's times I can. Well, um, no, but here's my thought on that. Yes, there's the angle of like I could have used it as a way to deal with the dad stuff. mm -hmm. But also neurologically, there's just some stuff I messed up possibly by starting to diet so young. And whatever caused me to do that, insecurities, diet culture, it's everywhere. Um, well, and mom was doing things too at the time. Like yeah. during the 90s, there was all the, you Fat know, the free. spray butter. Yes. With the spray butter. I used to use we like had... half a bottle of spray butter on a waffle. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so healthy right now. This is fat free. Like, forget the spray. Just open it and like, right. pour it on there. That's well, what I would do. And we did have a family that lived with us for a little bit because they were, anyway, it doesn't really matter. Which but they lived with us for a little bit. But I think I was in college. You were gone. Yeah. But I was probably, probably eighth influenced. or ninth grade. Mm-hmm. And the mom ate a certain way. That's when diet foods were first brought into our house. And I think I was exposed to that. And so I think as moms, we have to be super careful with our kids about not putting them through any sort of dieting because that is going to mess them up long term down Mm -hmm. the line. And Mm -hmm. I wish that someone would have. Do you feel like mom was like, Amy, you should eat no. this fat free butter? No. I don't think so. But I don't think she was like, no, Amy, it don't was... worry about that. Love mm-hmm. your body. Mm-hmm. You don't need that. Mm-hmm. I think it was, there was just, just was no conversation about mm-hmm. it. You want fat free snack wells? Okay, we'll buy them. Well, then she would go through times where she would kind of make those like weird cabbage soups and she would do Oh, little she did the master cleanse all the time. Remember? Uh-huh. When she did the lemon juice, cayenne, cayenne. and maple syrup for yes. 10 days. Yes. And apple cider vinegar. Did yeah, maybe. That? I, don't I don't remember. Know. But so many people have emailed in after listening to the Outway series and said that their moms passed on to them the Weight Watchers culture, the mm-hmm. points. the mm-hmm. And if you do any of that, I'm not knocking a particular brand, so don't at me. No. I'm just saying that was very popular at the time. And so, and moms, because of how they grew up and it was just part of the time, I think they didn't know any better. And they're like, oh, well, I'll just put my kid on points. Mm -hmm. And then it creates this whole (laughs) messed up thing. And then they Mm -hmm. have to weigh themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's just not, it's such a bigger picture that I'm being exposed to 
with that we have as a society, we're fat phobic Mm -hmm. and we all have been told this is the body type you're supposed to look like, Mm -hmm. which is not Mm -hmm. attainable for most of society. And it's probably airbrushed. Correct. (laughs) And then some people, yes, are naturally like that. Or some people are literally starving themselves to get there, but you don't know that you just see them on a magazine and then you think, Mm -hmm. well, shoot, that's how I'm supposed to look. Mm -hmm. So what do I need to do to get that? But I'm personally seeing a shift and maybe it's because of what I'm surrounding myself with, but I'm thankful for the people that are putting themselves out there and are super wise and educated in this area. There's so many different things to be passionate about, but there is a a crop of dietitians and leaders in that that are kind of shunning the old ways Mm -hmm. of nutrition work and dietitian work of like, hey, this is what we need to be focusing on now. We don't need to necessarily tell someone to lose weight just because they don't weigh what this other person weighs. Mm -hmm. Weight does not equal health. And for so long, we've been told that weight equals health. Thank you for giving an update on where I was and where I am now. Because again, like you said, it can be encouragement to others. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. Again, I started really putting in the work and quit purging a year and a half ago. But it's taken that long putting in the work to where I can go to the grocery store and not have anxiety. Or I can go to a restaurant and not be obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's been, I see a lot of growth. So I would say people can trust Um, the insight that you give on on your path to get there. All right, you got to love a place that makes shopping for gifts super easy because heads up, Father's Day is June 16th and Macy's has got you covered. Their ultimate gift guide makes shopping for the dad or the dad figure in your life super easy. You can shop by price, 25 and under, 50 and under, 100 and lux. You can shop by category, like cologne, watches, leather goods. You can even shop by gift lists. Like if your dad loves to grill, then shop for grill master things. If your dad loves to golf, then you can go to the gift list that is for the golfer. I mean, really, Macy's has thought of it all. If you have a tech-savvy dad, voila, Macy's Gift Finder, again, has you covered with that. Top gifts include Beats headphones, JBL portable speakers, Nintendo Switch, and more. Top brands such as Calvin Klein, Tommy Hilfiger, Polo Ralph Lauren, Columbia, and more. Really, Macy's has it all, so don't be a last-minute shopper. Father's Day is June 16th. Make sure to check out Macy's.com slash gift finder to find a unique gift they'll love. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like, I want research. I want to know, like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin. The results, well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. 
No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. From searching online to asking your friends and family, there are a lot of ways to look for jobs. But have you considered finding your next job through a staffing company? Your local Express Employment Professionals team is your one connection to endless job opportunities. With just one application, they can help you find a job at a company that fits your needs. Visit ExpressPros.com. And as always, Express never charges job seekers a fee. Express knows when companies are hiring, offers benefits and competitive pay. And in just one interview, they are prepared to present you to multiple companies who fit your needs. Express Employment Professionals places people in all kinds of jobs, including everything from customer service to warehouse jobs to accounting and IT roles. Let Express help you. And remember, there is never a fee for job seekers. Go to ExpressPros.com to get started and discover for yourself what it's like to have support in your job search. You can also start through the Express Jobs app. Download it today to search jobs, apply, and contact your local Express office. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. Now, the best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you're going to be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. So come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in a short sleeve moisture wicking pearl snap. Or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tacova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style, and they are built to last decades. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Second thing. So Jennifer Rollin, who was on our Outweigh series, is an awesome follow on Instagram, registered dietitian, coach, counselor. She really is doing a lot of amazing work in the eating disorder world. And she put up a post on Instagram that I want to go over, and it says, what can contribute to ED development? And the post said, eating disorders are considered biopsychosocial illnesses and stem from a variety of factors rather than one single cause which, you know, Mm -hmm. in the first thing we were talking about how therapists would try to say, oh, yeah, this is you filling a void for your dad. So it wasn't that single cause, I don't Mm -hmm. believe. Also, genetics can play a factor. Temperament, example for some people, not everyone, a tendency towards perfectionism, Mm -hmm. harm avoidance. However, some EDs are more linked to impulsivity. Rigidity. 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 That's how I (laughs) say it. Oh, you learned it here first, folks. Need for order in their life, someone that's rule-bound, and tendency mm-hmm. towards anxiety. Also, environmental factors, which can include oppression, racism, sexism, fat phobia, food insecurity, trauma, bullying, modeling from others, 
and going on a diet. So there's a lot that can contribute. So if you're ever sitting around and you're trying to pinpoint and figure out what caused me to be this way, well, it could be any number of these things. It's probably just usually like a perfect storm of things. I mean, it's not one thing, but it's... Well, and I want people to know that you're normal if you're experiencing something and you're nothing is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And there is hope and you're not alone. And I hope that you could get some help if you needed it. But I know that that's not possible for everybody. And again, I know it seems silly to say, well, follow some of these Instagram accounts, but that's a place where you can get some real encouragement and it's free. And it's usually real stories. And Jennifer herself, what I like about Jennifer and then even Lisa, they both have been through it. They're both in recovery. And so you see the hope there, but then they're giving, they've made it their life's work and their mission to help people find the freedom. So for me, you know, we talked about it earlier. I don't know. I can't pinpoint it for sure. I think I know what caused it. And for me, I think the bulk of it was dieting before my before it's too early. My brain was fully developed. Some studies show that if you diet as an adult, but not as a kid, you won't develop the same type of disorders mm-hmm. because your brain is fully developed. But if you start it too young, that's when it, it kind of can go into survival mode. And then you've wired your brain that way. And that's why you can eat and eat and eat and eat and then figure out how to get rid of it and starve, starve, starve. And then your body's like, shoot, feed me, feed me, feed me. So it's a vicious cycle. But as an adult, you can still create unhealthy patterns, but it's just a lot harder to break if you start it when you're a kid. A lot of what was described, I felt like described you, all those different things that they said, but also a lot of them described me, you know, and I, I didn't move into that disordered eating. But when it talked about perfectionism, the thing that popped in my head about you, because I wouldn't necessarily say you're a perfectionist. I'm not. But in some ways, yes, 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 you are. Because at a young age... Do you remember when you wanted every hanger in your closet needed to be white plastic? Yeah, and right now I want them to be all black felt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, at the time, we mainly just had like those wire hangers, you know, like that you get at the cleaners, like the wire ones. And that's what all our hangers were. And I remember the day you decided all of yours needed to be white plastic. And now that's kind of a thing that your closet is organized when all the hangers match. But you Shout like, out home edit. I know, but you were on that train like when you were in middle school. Well, I don't see myself as a perfectionist. You have your couch <clears throat> in your living room and you have the curtains and you get out a tape measure and you measure each side of the couch to each side of the curtain to make sure there are seven inches on each side. Right. Like, I don't do that. to be a certain way. And I know you've recently gotten on the wagon where you make your bed every day, but like I've been in that club for a really long time. <laughs> I and used I've to not understand the club, <laughs> but it's amazing. And I've known that making my bed was the key to a good day. And if I had a bad day, most likely my bed was not made, you know? And so there's things that I guess I've been more perfectionistic towards and there's things you've been more perfectionistic toward. You're more perfectionist than I am. I, well, a lot of what you're describing would put me in a category of someone who is at risk to yeah. disordered eating. And well, I just, what's up? I don't know. <laughs> That's maybe, amazing. Maybe you... I saw it in you and I don't know. I, don't I can't know. really, I'd have to go I'm... back and like journal through that for several days to, to find in my heart what's going on with well, that. Well, I'm thankful you didn't because another post and then we'll wrap this thing up that Jennifer also put up, I think maybe even the day before that one said, 
I feel sad for my former self who was trapped in an eating disorder. I missed out on so much delicious food, connection, and moments of joy. Yeah. And it's so true. I think back on, I I missed out on a lot of that and I can't get it back. I mean, now our dad has a stroke Mm -hmm. and his Mm -hmm. hands don't work as Mm -hmm. well. So he can't cook. And now he's a feeding tube and he can't eat and he's an assisted living place. I have no more opportunities really for dad to cook for us. I know. And I blew a lot of those opportunities by showing up with my own food because I didn't want to eat his food because I had too much butter. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then there was even times I did that to mom. Or times where, similar to you, where I projected my eating disorder onto you without even really knowing it. I know I've done that to Ben, my husband. I know that I was doing it to my kids a little bit when they first got here because I wasn't in recovery mode then. And I've I've done a 180 with how I am with them and food Mm -hmm. from how I thought I was going to be. Because my plan was to just, they were going to be like me. Right. And watch every ingredient and none of this and none of that. And ice cream, are you kidding? My kids don't get candy. (laughs) What? And now. Oh my gosh, we have like eight cartons of ice cream in the freezer this week. (laughs) And there's a time in my life where I would not have been able to have ice cream in my house. Right. Or I would not have been able to have butterfingers in my pantry because Mm -hmm. I would either eat them all or I simply didn't trust myself to Mm -hmm. eat them all. So I would have to throw them away. I would have to get rid of them. I Yeah, I could not have stuff like that. And now I got to say it's amazing because I can have that stuff, which honestly brings me joy because when family comes to visit, we can have ice cream night and it's not the end of the world. Right. (laughs) And I don't feel like I have to eat the entire thing of ice cream because I'm never going to have ice cream again because that's that was my mentality. If I had it tomorrow, I'm going to wake up and have a green juice and then I just won't eat. Right. Now we have the connection of trying all kinds of ice creams. Like we had four different ones open the other night with spoons in and out. Don't recommend that with coronavirus, but we're family and we know that we're, we're not each other all the time sick anyways, right now. So. Uh, but, you know, just be careful. People that you're quarantined with, you can do that with. But that's fun stuff. And that ma- it makes me happy to like look in my pantry and see the variety of things. What did you freak out on the other day that I was eating a Pop-Tart? Oh, my gosh. OK, well, first of all, I woke up and Amy had made like an amazing breakfast. And mm-hmm. what was in the pan? A can of black beans and a can of Rotel in the pan. And you kind of cook that a little bit and get it going hot and then you just kind of crack eggs on top of it and Mm -hmm. it makes sort of this not huevos ranchos but sort of like that type of like this Mexican egg dish and it was so good and so we all had some of that and then I forgot I was asking you like oh Amy did you eat because we kind of just came in and kind of ate we didn't sit around the table and eat yeah and I did crush tortilla chips on the side with avocado. avocado it was it was so good and so easy like migas and then she just casually said something like, oh, yeah, I had some eggs and I had a Pop-Tart. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like those words, I just not did not imagine the word Pop-Tart coming out of your mouth that you ate one. And I think it was like just a portion of a Pop-Tart, but still, still, still. <laughs> Well, because I Ew. ate to what I was, where I was satisfied. If I wanted and to eat like, the whole Pop-Tart. A sweet bite of this Pop-Tart. Great. If I want half the Pop-Tart, Great. It used to be all or nothing. It's not like I better eat this whole Pop-Tart because I'm not going to have Pop-Tarts for two years after this. Right. You know? so I could eat half the Pop-Tart, put the rest in a Ziploc bag and eat the rest tomorrow if I wanted it. And that's a huge step for me. So back to the connection and the joy. That's what that is. I mean, we were. Mm-hmm. I made breakfast as a family and we got to have it. And I know that I missed out on some of mom's things. I think I was going to say that I know that I put it on mom and that's something I regret 
because she is no longer with us. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to go to Ben and say, I'm sorry. I'm able mm-hmm. to say to you, hey, Christy, I'm sorry that I put you through that, which I did the other day in the car. Because <laughs> maybe some people listening, know, maybe there's did. people. Apologized out of nowhere. Maybe there's people that you need to reach out to and apologize for. And maybe I still have more people if you're listening and I owe you an apology. I I don't know, but I know where I am now has allowed me to see the hurt and maybe not that I hurt or caused you pain, but I still because we just adapted to it, but it was annoying. Yeah. And then I caused you to second guess things about yourself. Or how you were eating or should you, it just was unnecessary. Yeah, Yeah, it would kind of be like, I can't believe you're putting that into your body type. Judgment. Judgment. Yes. Yeah. So that's what I- Maybe not in so many words, Mm -hmm. but it definitely was was there. And that's what I would do to mom. Mm -hmm. Oh, I would judge her. Oh, I know. But you know she would. She would be so proud of where where you are and she's not one to ever hold grudges over that stuff. So she would just be proud of your- growing through it and yeah you don't need to carry that and that i'm no longer Plus this morning i saw a cardinal fly out your window and outside landed in a tree and cardinals represent joy and mom and i just knew she's just <laughs> washing over your house i know christy walked by me i was in the kitchen she goes don't worry mom just flew by you're good <laughs> And I was like, what? No, and so, then I saw another one. You've got like a little so flock moms of all around. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, Jennifer Rollin, for the amazing posts mm-hmm. and Good. always happy to share her stuff on here for sure. Okay, so let's talk about the lie that entered your head. Where did you do this? At some retreat? Oh, it was at this retreat called Camp Well. It takes place in Colorado, and it's just a group of ladies. And we had a speaker, and I totally forget who it was, but it really, you know, you kind of go through different exercises where you're just kind of connecting with different things that might have been going on in your mind or might be holding you back. And so one of them was uh, we had to sort of just journal about what's like a constant lie that goes through your head. So it was just like one, two, three, go. And you're just like journaling, kind of going, okay, what is the lie that goes through my head? What is the lie that goes through my head? What am I constantly telling myself? And mine kind of bordered between these two things, like I'm not enough and I'm not worthy. It was like those two things. And I couldn't like pinpoint, you know, why or how that was a lie, but that's a constant thing. Like if I walk into a room of people, no matter what, in my mind, I constantly will think, I don't feel like I should be here. I don't belong here. I'm not worthy of being here. I'm not enough to be here. Like those little things. And so then the next part of the exercise, you know, as they were talking to us, just came up and said, okay, now that you've kind of identified what the lie might be, start kind of trying to recognize when you may have first heard that lie or first believed it, or it first entered your mind. And somehow, someway, I immediately had this picture of myself standing in front of the mirror in our dining room. And we had it mirrors was in our year. dining room. We had <laughs> really long mirrors. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's where I would like check out my table. outfit. Oh, Did yeah. You go in there and yeah, check same. out your outfit. For sure. And so I obviously had gotten dressed and come to look at my outfit in the dining room mirrors. And it was the year dad left and it was Thanksgiving. And I don't know why this image was coming to my mind, but I just pictured myself standing there and I had like these velvet floral leggings on. I can picture the outfit, like an oversized black kind of hoodie shirt. And my hair was pulled back and I had that those big like, it's a huge bow and it's made out of like chiffon or whatever that material is. It would make like this big poofy 
black bow and I had my hair clipped back low and that like I can just picture I did my makeup I was probably 14 and that's the image that I had in my mind and I was realizing that dad was coming over for Thanksgiving and in my I don't know why this is emotional to think of, but I'm like staring at myself in the mirror and I'm remembering this and I'm just thinking, do I look good enough? You know, do I, you know, is he going to be proud of me? Is he going to be proud of how I look? You know, I feel pretty good in this outfit, (laughs) but is dad going to notice, you know, type things? And am I going to feel worthy when he comes over? Because I think he came over for Thanksgiving that year or something. You know, he had been moved out and we did things together occasionally. And he would come over and then that slowly got less and less and less apart. Right. You know, he still had like clothes in the closet at the time. And it's almost like every time he'd come over, he'd get more clothes and more things and, and take yeah, on wherever he was. Yeah, because the first day he left, he only <clears> left <throat> with like a duffel bag. He only took the red and black duffel bag. I thought he was going on a business trip. <laughs> well, that's what he said. He was going to go away for a little while. He didn't like specifically say, hey, I'm leaving y'all. He just said, but he was. I'm going to go away for a little while. And we kind of over the next six months figured it out ourselves what mm-hmm. was happening but we yeah. were pretty slow <laughs> <laughs> we were very slow well no one was really telling us no. anything and, like i was really sad that night and i was crying and i remember, remember my mom's friend friends came over, came over before yeah emily and, and they were mom with mom and yeah mom knew more maybe Obviously. what was going on well, and yeah. her friends knew but like i just thought oh dad's leaving for a little while but i mean he's probably gonna come back but i'm gonna be sad <laughs> that I he's know. not here for a few weeks that's what you know? I remember I didn't understand. I knew it was a business trip, but something felt weird about it because he traveled for work all the time. Mm-hmm. So much so that before he left, I ran back to my room and mm-hmm. got my little teddy bear, teddy bear. And I ran to the door and I gave it to him. Mm-hmm. And I normally and wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. I did? Uh-huh. I don't remember that. You were sitting that. at the coffee table drawing him a picture. Yes. I visually remember this. What was the picture? I don't remember what all the of us as a family. Was, <laughs> you were drawing, and then you gave him the teddy bear. I remember yeah. that part so vividly. You were sitting there drawing. I'm like sitting there crying. I don't think you understood. I did not. But I also didn't understand either. And then I think a year later, maybe he took me out to dinner. This is not how I advise parents go about this. No. He took me to dinner, and then we got home, and I remember sitting in my room on my little twin bed, and he said, "Do you know what an affair is?" <laughs> I don't think we've talked about this. Oh, yeah. He did not t- say this to me. Oh, he said this to me. No, he did not because I probably already knew. Right. That I don't think that it needed on. to be explained. He, he said that to you? Yes. And what'd you say? Did you? No. <laughs> I wouldn't think you would have because you're like nine. <laughs> and why he chose to, it just wasn't necessary. My kids don't need to. Right. But I think, well, first of all, he had a girlfriend. And what did he say? But we would hang was. out with her, but I don't really remember. Oh, don't I just remember, remember him Dang, asking me. He I took wish- me to dinner and then I remember him sitting on my floor and I was on the bed and he just asked me if I knew what an affair was. So I had gone to his office and saw a picture of his girlfriend on the desk. And I thought, Mm -hmm. and I think that's when he started to think, I need to address this with her. Mm -hmm. And then I had a softball tournament in Slidell, Louisiana, and he drove Mm -hmm. me there Mm -hmm. and some other friends, I guess. And I had to go out to his truck to get his wallet. And his Mm -hmm. wallet, I got it out and it fell to the ground and And opened up. And there was a picture of her Mm -hmm. in his, I mean, this is back when you used to carry pictures in your wallet, Mm -hmm. but she was in like a nightgown thing. she got pictures made. (laughs) And 
I thought, and, and I knew really her. it's weird when you're a kid and you come in and there's like kind of seductive pictures yes. of your dad's girlfriend. But I didn't know she was his girlfriend at the time. Right. I knew she like, was, whoa. I knew who she was. Why does he But I was like, what is this? Wallet? So I'd already kind of figured it out. So I think when he asked me, I said no, but I knew. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know. Well, you and I didn't really talk about it, but when I oh. found out... I, dad came and took me to a concert and and he said do you know what an event no oh, what a concert was went, it I don't remember I don't remember <laughs> what it was I feel like it was George Strait and I went and she went and then they were holding hands Ugh. and I was like what is happening because she was like a family friend you know yeah. and then I was like what in the world is happening, you know, right now? And then I think I had later, I never talked to you about it because, I mean, you were little. I was a teenager. You know, I was 13, 14. Right. My son, Stevenson, is the age that right. I, and so, yeah, it, it would just, be hard to I don't know. I just that. didn't feel like, maybe I thought it was too heavy for you to even carry. And I remember asking mom, like, is something going on with dad and such and such? And she was like, well, you're going to find out sooner or later. And yes, you know, and it was like, oh my gosh. Then it was like the world crumbled a whole other time. <laughs> At the time he left, I had no idea. It wasn't even in my mind that there would be someone else. Yeah. At and the then time. now but we know our dad <laughs> and he's been married four times. And I would venture to say unfaithful every marriage, maybe. Oh, I mean, he just not uh, that kind that's of a habitual anybody's business. relationship. But I'm just saying we, I almost have, as weird as this might sound for some people, I have compassion for mm -hmm. him because mm -hmm. somebody doesn't do repeat that behavior mm -hmm. unless they're struggling with something themselves. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't think my dad's a bad person. No. At all. He's actually really He's amazing really and person. has a really big heart. Horrible with relationships. Mm -hmm. And then that mm -hmm. you could trace back to his childhood mm -hmm. and things he had to go through and how he when didn't have a dad. When entered his life. Right. What, what is his lie? Exactly. Maybe his is that he's not enough either. And, you know, he's constantly looking for what's going to make him And he worthy. was. I think. And he admitted that. And even even up to, you know, a few years ago, I think he came to us and said, or at least to me, we had a conversation on my front porch where he said, you know, he's never like fully apologized, but he did say something like, I'm just not after the things I used to be after. Family is the most important thing to me. And I'm so glad y'all are in my life. And I'm so, you know, and it just became that he just wanted to be with us and grow with us and not chase business success or money or, or relationships and just be. Mm -hmm. So he's made a lot of mistakes in his life, but I feel like he's he's come around to most of them. Yeah. So did you ever, did you want to talk about your lie or do you have a lie that you've realized that entered your well, life? Well, I have, when? similar to you, I know that I, I enter rooms and think immediately nobody likes me. Mm. So, and that's a lie, but mm -hmm. I don't know that that mm -hmm. feeds into the whole eating disorder side of things. That's just a lie that I know I can think of, but I know there's mm -hmm. lies that I told myself Mm -hmm. during my disordered eating stuff. And it was that I sometimes didn't deserve to eat, which is a lie. Mm -hmm. We always deserve mm -hmm. nourishment. Almost sometimes, sadly, that I was better than somebody else if I ate this way. Mm -hmm. I'm a better person. I'm taking care of myself like this. So that makes me better, which is a lie. You're not better than somebody else because you eat a certain right. way. I think that a lie was that I was a failure if I didn't do a marathon, which I shouldn't have done that marathon, by the way. I hurt my knee halfway through oh, training. Like, and then I was miserable. You were laid up for a yeah. while. <laughs> I had a boyfriend at the time. I think you're trying to impress him. 
he literally broke up with me because I was so miserable after the marathon. I was a nightmare. So I would set these goals and I had to like do them or I was a failure. And if I didn't go to the gym every day, if I didn't eat this certain way, if I didn't get rid of the food mm-hmm. in a way, another lie, I think if it falls into the disordered eating category is that you're better when you're thin or people like me more mm-hmm. when I'm skinny, mm-hmm. you'll be more likable mm-hmm. and yeah. attractive. Those are very real lies mm-hmm. that I think if you're struggling with body image issues, that's stuff that enters your head and what you have to do. And what I love about Lisa, and that's the next thing I want to get into is a blog she put up about nine ways to squash food guilt, which mm-hmm. is sort of relates to this podcast and what we're talking about. But for right now, one of her sayings that relates to the lies in our head is fork the noise. Mm-hmm. She's like, stick a fork in it. It's, it's noise. Uh-huh. And while it started with food thoughts, she applies it in every aspect of her life now. Mm-hmm. So if you mm-hmm. were to walk into a room and not feel worthy, she would mm-hmm. say, fork the noise. That's a lie. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. If I were to walk into a room and say, mm-hmm. nobody likes me, mm-hmm. fork the noise. If I were to pick up a hamburger and think, I don't deserve to eat this, I didn't work out today, mm-hmm. fork the noise. That's me yeah. sticking a fork. That's, that's the sound of a fork <laughs> going into yeah, my No, I think brain. it could be an interesting exercise for anyone who's listening to just really be aware of their thoughts, be aware of the lies that enter. Mm-hmm. Because because I find myself doing that too. Now that I'm aware of the lie, when it, when it creeps in, because it will creep in naturally, it's like this ingrained lie that's coming in to yourself. Then when you're more aware of it, then you can push back, yeah. put the fork in it. Fork thing with Amy Brown. So Lisa put this up on her blog, thewellnecessities.com, and I'll just run through these nine ways to squash food guilt right away. First of all, you got to identify and tackle fear foods. So if you've got a food that's listed as bad, you're scared of it. You need to identify it and then don't- Eat it. No. (laughs) Well, Yeah. Eat it and incorporate it into your lifestyle instead Mm -hmm. of it being this bad food. So you've got the pizza and you need to eat the whole pizza now. Mm -hmm. Like go ahead and make a complete meal and throw a slice of pizza on your plate with a bunch of other food and don't give it the attention. Be like, this is pizza. It's normal. So you can tackle that fear and then eventually have that food around without it giving you complete anxiety or freaking out. Don't put the experience on a pedestal, which is similar to that. When you give pizza this platform of being this aha food, then it has too much power over you. Mm -hmm. You've lifted it up. And when you normalize it, then you can have the slice of pizza and it'll hit the spot and then you can move on with your day. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's a little tip. Three, take off your last chance pants. (laughs) So this is kind of the scarcity mindset at work, Lisa says, where we think that eating certain foods are bad. And so we permit them, but only during a small window of time. So like last chance, your last chance pants. Not like literally, it's figuratively, but like I better eat this now because I'm not going to eat it tomorrow. Flag the and then story. She said that almost every client starts their chief complaint with, I eat healthy all day, and then they feel guilt, shame, and failure for blowing it after all their hard work. But the blowing it isn't real. They just think that eating healthfully is hard work and that certain foods are not healthy or good for you. And by practicing the first three tips— 
That'll help break down this idea, but it's important to recognize that no one meal can have long-term effects on you physically, but we all know that it mentally can affect you big time. So it's a mental thing. So think about your and then story and examine it with a critical lens, recognizing that nothing terrible happened. Another shift you can expect is healthy eating no longer feels like a chore or like work because nourishing your body with what it asks for is simple and automatic. It's I'm still working on getting there with the simple automatic stuff. Five, recognize we don't just eat for physical hunger. Now the latest in food guilt, she said, is self-loathing for eating when I wasn't even hungry. And then she says, facts, We eat for reasons outside of our biological needs, meaning we eat beyond needing calories for energy to live, recognizing we have different types of hunger, aka desires to eat, and all of that are okay. And we should be able to eat because something looks good or something smells good, because we're curious to taste it, because we love our grandma's lasagna, and sometimes because we need a break from real life and food simply provides joy and space. Number six, trust that only you know what you need. She said it's really easy to tumble into eating what everyone else is eating, especially if that person really makes you feel like you should be. But have you ever paused and asked yourself, do I want this? This simple practice might be more eye-opening than you think. And no matter what you eat, you have actively consulted with yourself, minimizing the why did I do this? You simply know. Number seven, turn guilt into compassion. This is a skillful practice that will take time, but if you find yourself feeling guilty after eating, the best thing to do is notice and label the feeling. It's in this moment that the last thing you need is punishment or more rules. Your body and mind are already feeling unsafe and scared, so it needs to know that it's loved and that you have its back. Consider talking this out with someone that you trust or taking time to show love and care for yourself in whatever way feels good to you. The simplest and free offering is always a self-hug. Sounds cheesy, but it works, says Lisa. Have you ever self-hugged yourself? No, but maybe I need to. I think compassion is huge. Not only compassion for others, but compassion for yourself when you're on this journey of healing because you're going to need it. Number eight, recognize that stress, overeating, is not healthy. Your body cannot distinguish the panic from guilt and shame and real stress. As a result, your body chemistry changes. It's not easy to just not stress, but having some self-soothing activities listed in your phone may be helpful to return to when you feel the most panicked. Maybe this is a word search, reading a fiction book, just breathing, a nature walk, or taking time to unplug from social media. And then lastly, number nine, let food bring you joy and your senses take over. She said, the funny thing about this journey for me is that while I used to consider myself a foodie, someone who wants every meal to taste drool-worthy delicious, a big part of that stemmed from my disordered eating and fixation on food. Don't get me wrong, I love to cook and I love a killer meal, but some days, most days, lunch is just lunch. And my focus is on other things. However, bringing pleasure and enjoyment back to food, if that's been missing, is critical to avoid food guilt. That starts with being mindful, taking a moment to stop the chatter in your mind and let your senses take over while you notice the changes in texture, taste, and even enjoyment. 
And Lisa is someone, she was pretty vocal on our Outweigh series that she would go to bed thinking about breakfast, wake up, eat breakfast. And while she was eating breakfast, she'd be thinking about what she was going to make for lunch. During lunch, she was planning dinner. Like her whole life revolved around food and what she was going to eat and when and how, blah, 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 and working out and all the things that she was never just enjoying it and sometimes just seeing it. It wasn't ever just lunch. It was always such a thing. So again, check out thewellnecessities.com. And then on Instagram, she's at thewellnecessities. Sister, I love you. Thanks for having me. And I'm so glad you joined for this episode. Keeping it real here. Continuing some of the the Outweigh talk, which Lisa and I are going to do a season two of Outweigh. Mm-hmm. It probably won't release until later this year, though, probably in November, which I think that'll give us enough time to get some stuff pulled together and have in time for holidays, because I know that's a time where people tend to have a lot of anxiety and stress. And I want y'all to remember that, you know, we had a doctor on the Outway series talking about the anxiety and the chemicals that are produced from the stress and anxiety that you may have over food mm-hmm. are or can be worse for you than if you were to just have eaten the Oreo or whatever it is you're stressing mm-hmm. about. So that's interesting. Think about that. There are chemicals released when we are stressed and anxious about things. So just eat the dang Oreo <laughs> and fork the noise. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful, thing. Laugh a little more, thing. Tight, tighten up your core, thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. All right, this sun season, evolve your sun care with new Banana Boat 360 coverage. With Advanced Control Mist, it's a new way to spray. It's an all-new bottle for an all-new mist experience that smells great and is incredibly light on your skin. You can even customize your spray. Like to cover targeted areas, you just tap the trigger lightly, or you can pull the trigger fully for a long, continuous spray, ensuring long-lasting banana boat protection. Plus, it's refillable. From sweat-resistant sport formula to kids' SPF 50+, this is sun care that'll come in handy when my kids are swimming, playing sports, when I'm hiking, when we're out at the lake, or whatever it is that we're doing outdoors. Shop Banana Boat 360 Mist at Walmart, Target, or Amazon. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they're going to last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you're going to be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. So come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. 
Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.